Well, hello and welcome back to the Middlemen Podcast, where this week we've got something a little bit special for you. We're going to talk Thai boxing and we're joined by Jake Thurlaway from Halton's uh, Thai Boxing Academy. I've got Max, as always, alongside me. And uh, Jake, today our special guest, great to have you on as a guest, so thank you for joining. And we can start with, Jake, What what is it like owning a Thai boxing gym? What is your journey into Thai boxing? Because it's quite unusual. Yeah, um, so essentially I, I started competing when I was like 15, 16. I'm 30 this year, so I'm about 15 years into my career. Um, I've like, fought all around the country. Um, I've fought abroad multiple times. i fought different disciplines. So I was like talking to my girlfriend last year about it all because like, I've coached like bits and pieces in the past and stuff. And I was like, I wouldn't mind giving it a bit of a crack because I'm getting a bit older starting to hit the prime of me fighting career um and i thought like i've kind of got no risk now like i'm a homeowner and stuff so like i just thought the time's right in a sense um so i put the feelers out i've obviously got a massive network of people throughout my journey um want to put something back into the local community because like in within my area there's no Thai boxing clubs so to say like i travel through to newcastle i'm from sunland so I know I've got the the geographical area and um, I know kind of how to target my target audience and stuff. So I just kind of put the feelers out and then about eight people turned up to me first class and then it just basically went from there. I've reinvested the money in the kit. The people's continued to come through the door. Um, I've been turning down business left, right and centre for months, but I have been working full time whilst I've been running it. So it's been the case of like, I work 12-hour shifts. So it's been the case of like getting up at 5 a.m., I do a couple of PTs or train, I'll go and do a 12-hour shift at work. And then on my days off, like today, I'm going to go through the gym, um, I'll train myself, I'll come back, I'll do PTs, I'll teach. And that's just basically been my life for the last six months. Um, I've literally had to write in my diary when I see my girlfriend. Like, um, But it's what makes us tick, I love it. And then it's getting to the point now where a couple of my friends come to one of my classes um, about a month ago and there was an indefinite difference between like them and my lads, even though my lads have only been training a few months. Um, and I just thought, I'm going to go for it. So I've released my timetable and tomorrow was my last working day in my corporate job. Wow. And then uh, I'm going to go full time, trying to live the dream a little bit like because they don't chase themselves. Congratulations, mate, on the... Uh the final day of, of full-time work. Mm-hmm. Hopefully no more kind of 12-hour shifts for you unless they are in the gym. But just tell me about, obviously, you come from uh, being a fighter. As you said, you're in your kind of prime time years when you decided to make that choice into coaching. So what is that like to kind of transition out of that? And then, as you said, you're still kind of training yourself now. So what is it like to balance all that? Because as you said, you've got so many factors uh, going on around you right now. Yeah, like I say, it's it's something that's not brand new. It was like I've done it in the past in the in the previous gym I was at before I moved to my Thai boxing gym. Um and it's like kind of what that brings. So just to give you a couple of examples, like I had one of the lads right in the chat the other day, like he's a biggish lad, he was just like, Oh, I've just put a pair of jeans on, I haven't been able to put on in the last two years. And then like I had one of the mums of like a 13 year old lad that I'm coaching at the moment messages through the weekend. She's like, I'm seeing such big improvements in within my son. Like I kind of help the family for what you're doing and stuff. And like that for me, gives me more joy than going to my corporate job. 
Um, so like all them aspects of coaching I love and obviously like everything my coaches have done for me it's like me and me and the person I am all those experiences and stuff that I've got like all that stored in there no one will ever take that away from me so I just want to like I love this and obviously you guys love what you do I just want to breed this on everyone else in the middle area you know yeah it's, it's good to hear as well that there's somebody um, you know, although it's, it's different professions and we're more in the kind of media side of the game, that is something that what, what you want and when you realise that you want it is something that you're willing to work kind of relentlessly on. And I think, you know, yeah. that's a factor within whatever discipline, as you said, you know, we're not familiar with Muay Thai, but we can still understand that aspect. And I'm, I remember looking at your Instagram and, and saying that Muay Thai is kind of all about just connecting with, with like-minded people. And I think that you know, all, all kind of combat sports can do that and even in the media side of the, the roles as well. Absolutely. How do you how do you get your the name out into the community, Jake? How do you spread the word about Thai boxing and Mai Thai? It's a massive community sport for you. How, how do you get your name out there? Um, I mean, social media is like really good for that. Um, word of mouth as well. Um, like I say, the networking side of things is really good. I've already, I'm already like a household name in within the martial arts community, if that makes sense. Like I know people all around the country, and like when I've started putting myself out there, I've had people reach out, people pick up the phone, like anytime I've messaged promoters, like I don't need to sell myself. So like I got a message, like I've got a a lad fighting on a show May seventh. Uh, down near your way, down near Derby way, in some hall. I can't remember exactly where the location's at. Um, and like I messaged him and straight away he was just like on it where like if I messaged some like random guy that might not be as inclined to be as receptive with like matchmaking and stuff so like I've already got the trust there and I know like it's just a domino effect so like once I get started like say for an example I had some people at a competition yesterday again I'll just resurface everything that we've done and then that just picks up traction and then just like the process looks after itself in a sense and you said you started with eight people. How many have you got in the gym now? Um, I probably got about 30 to 35 lads at the minute in and out. Not consistently. I would say my average class size is about 12, 11, 12. But I've got about 30 to 35. My projections see, I reckon my numbers are going to double within a month when I go full time. Um, it's just like kids and women's only and beginners. I literally haven't had the time to do it. So I've got like a structured timetable now. Um, and like I see, I have fought multiple disciplines myself, so I'm going to breach out into that. I've predominantly been teaching Thai boxing, but I'm going to be fighting like K1 style kickboxing and their waist above kickboxing. So I'll be like grading kids and it's just all the different avenues I can go down um, in regards of revenue and in regards of like the club and the blueprint of the club and um, see where we're going. I'm really excited. Do you see that kind of as you said, you're going you know, to try and bring different disciplines into it and, you know, say that the, project, the projections do increase in that you do see an increase in numbers. Do you see yourself kind of turning it into a franchise or do you just want it to be a, a local thing and a, a local gym where you can spread, um, you know, all, all these different disciplines? Um, I mean, never say never. But April the 1st, I'm, like, I'm going to be, like, starting it all properly, so to say. But I am using... 
I'm so I'm located in within a commercial gym at the moment, and I'm turning one of the rooms like into where we train. There's like a boxing ring and stuff in there we can use and weights and stuff. So I'm working with a partner at the moment, and I'm just like renting his space, like the math fees kind of pay for the rent. Um, but the next sort of 12 months, I'm going to be looking at getting my own unit with the growth of the club. Then that goes on to the next step. So like. I'm getting involved in within community projects. So um, Gloves Up Knives Down is one of them. So if you guys are familiar with that. And then yeah. uh, there's a, a young lad round our way doing one called The Mental Shift. So I was in a school with Kai last week, I think, in Wickham. And uh, I was essentially went in and I taught like Thai boxing. It's like a treat for the kids. And then in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be working with Gloves Up Knives Down. I'm just waiting for my DBS and stuff to get cleared. Um, so I just kind of want to do what you said there by keeping it local as well as looking at the bigger picture sort of say what you do with the community is really sort of um, admirable and um, maybe not enough people do it when you when you look at the big promoters do you think that grassroots boxing and, and lower level boxing is sort of forgotten about i suppose yeah in a sense i mean that's where it all starts to be fair i mean one of the things that I don't benefit from or we don't benefit from or so should say is like so see you guys in the boxing world you've got like England boxing and stuff and like government grants and all that type of stuff it's like easier to come by and um, once you get a couple of lads with an England jersey on you're laughing really where we kind of haven't got that like tie boxing and kickboxing and stuff's more of a hobbyist sport like even at the higher level so like I fight like well I'll be fighting A-class pro tie boxing in uh, June but a pro boxer and a pro kickboxer, pro tie boxer is kind of two different things. Like even though pro boxers still work and stuff, like once you kind of break on the scene as a pro boxer, you can really change your life, so to say. Pro tie boxing is very much like, unless you're like kind of Liam Harrison, Jonathan Haggerty on one championship, like the gap's really big. So it is more of a hobbyist kind of love, but I guess that's kind of why I want to push it more. It all starts from grassroots, like you say. And is is it the the dream and the kind of aim to have one of your boys go to you know one of those big promotions as you mentioned like train them up to maybe get them to break through a, um, upper tier ranks there or do you just get the kick out of you know the the grassroots stuff as Noah said but even from um, taking a kid as you were giving some examples earlier about whether they're losing weight or just changing their mentality is that yeah. where you kind of get your your main reward from as a coach. Absolutely. So I see it to the lads all the time. I just want it to be one percent better every single day. Like as long as they're walking out the door and they're a better person than what they were yesterday, my job's done. I've had a couple of times when I've said to the lads, like, if you want to compete, happy days. If you don't want to compete, happy days. I just want you in the gym and I want you happy. Um so like I just kind of breathe that ethos in the gym. Um like I say, we had a competition yesterday and I had a couple of lads on who's gonna fight soon. And then I had a couple of people who's doing it for the crack. And then I had a few of the other lads watching it. And it was just nice to have the mix of everyone all together. I don't want like people coming in and feeling like they need to fight. But if you want to fight, absolutely. But be expecting to put the work in because that's how the crumbles. And how, how much of that is uh, uh, keeping kids off the street kind of thing as well? You mentioned the Knife Crime Project. And how conscious yeah. are you of, of the role you have in the community to keep people safe too? Absolutely, mate. It's it's like massive. To be fair, like things like knife crime and stuff, like it seems to be crazy over the last few years. Like, so there's a couple of instances of where I live. There's a young boxer called Connor Brown. Um, 
got stabbed in Sunderland City Centre a few years ago, and that was like really big in the local area. And then same again, where our training Horton, just literally outside the gym, another young lad got stabbed. And to be fair, when I was young, like my brother taking me in the gym got me out of trouble because I was heading down the wrong paths in life, really. Like, but the gym like saved me. Um, but then, like, if I think back to when I was young and like what's going on now, it's like it's crazy to hear and see all these stories. So, I definitely want to do my best on my personal experience as well as like what I'm hearing and seeing. So, I'm gonna try and get involved with all these like schemes and like community projects and stuff. And I'm getting in touch with one of the local councillors in the area because the ones I'm doing like gloves up, knives down, like down south and then the one I done with Kai was like Gateshead where I want to bring this where I am so I want to shed it and spare it in a sense Do you think that there are enough or there should be more um, of these kind of community projects in your areas you said you know knife crime's so close to home now and, and it, it's always on the rise and you said um Knives, knives down, gloves up. So I was going to say the the wrong way around there, but um, as you said, that's more down south and and more oriented there. So do you think there is enough to tackle and you know fight the good fight that you want to do? Do you reckon there's enough uh, projects there to support that? Like I think there should definitely be more. It's good to see such things as what you've mentioned there, but like I say, if I can try and do something myself, even if it costs me one hour of my time a week to put a free class on, I'm not bothered. I'll do that, do you know what I mean? Like I'm doing my bit. There's loads of things I want to try and get involved with, but it's just all in a day's work. Um, I do like what they do. I just don't think there's enough of it. Jake, how can we find you on, on social media and Instagram if people want to search for, for your boxing gym in Houghton? How can they do that? Yeah, so if you just look for uh, Houghton Thai Boxing Academy. That's like my gym I've started. Um, and then, I mean, my my profile is uh, private, but if you look for my profile for Jake Furloway, 93. Um, but it's just more so me, Horton, Thai Boxing Academy. That's where you'll see everything on there, and that's all public. That's like my story, the lads, their story. And then uh, that's starting to grow. Okay. I just wanted to uh, go into the kind of mind of a coach here as well, Jake, as you were saying that, you know, when you leave your full-time job, that the gym will be looking to get even more numbers and, you know, you're closely connected with the lads that you have in the gym now. How, I, I guess you don't know the challenge yet because you, you haven't got it, but when you think the gym becomes more popular, how hard do you think it is going to be to stay in touch and, you know, really maintain uh, the personal relationships that you have with each each member coming in? Because, as you said, a lot of these guys just come in off the street, so you kind of, they, they almost need somebody to, to relate to and, and look up to to inspire and motivate them. Yeah, definitely. Like, like I say, a couple of the lads have like even I've so I started about October, then December. We all went for a couple of drinks, and bearing in mind there wasn't as many of us then as there is now. And at one point, I was like just sitting, listening to them all talk between themselves, and they were talking about the crap they have in classes and stuff. And I was just like, I've orchestrated all of this, and then like it's happening now. Like I walk in the room, and there's like two and three pockets of conversations going on. I'm just like, I just have a minute, and I'm just like, this is pretty cool. This like. But then the other day, I had a few guys come in, a couple of new starters, and same again, the room's getting busier. And I kept forgetting one of these lads' names, and I kept on, because he's related to another guy who's got a similar name. So I forgot his name at first, then I was calling him his cousin's name, and I was just like, oh, I'm having a mare. But like, it's just all part of the parcel of it, and the more he comes, the more regular it is. And then 
I'm giving someone a PT and then I'm like, all right, Brian, all right, Ollie, all right, Jake, all right, Ben, they're all just walking through the door and like each one of them, I am getting that connection. So I just want to kind of build it. Um, I'm going to start with the kids in April and then hopefully I can kind of nurture a couple of kids, watch them grow and then I'll get the kids to work beside me and then it just has that sort of domino effect in a sense. Do you, do you sort of wish you had someone like you when you were growing up? You said you had your brother. Um, but it's clear that you're a mentor to the community now. Um, I mean, to be fair, like I'm in the position I'm in because of my coaches doing this to me and everything I've had. Like, see, so you guys are familiar in regards of like a boxing gym. It's exactly the same within kickboxing, martial arts. That ethos of like it's almost like a little family. Like, if I think back over the 15 years I've had in a martial arts gym, like these guys have taught me more lessons in there than I ever learned in a school in regards of like myself, um, how to handle things. Like sometimes I'd finished, like say, I used to have one of my old coaches call. I used to like box with Carl all the time and he just literally used to sit as on the boxing ring eight when he used to sit and talk about life and stuff. And I used to talk about all my stresses and struggles and putting a hand on my shoulder and like people like that, like, I kind of thank enough, like my brother's always been by my side, like my current coaches, my old coaches, like I'm now wanting to pass this on as well as me doing this gets me more in the gym full time, which will then progress me more as a coach, as a fighter. Um, so yeah, it's a long-term goal. Okay. How much does it feel like learning on the job for yourself? Obviously, you know, you're, you're new to the coaching game in terms of having your own space and, and your own set of lads there. And as you said, um, get, it's getting to grips with their names and kind of getting used to them. So how much is kind of, does it feel like you're learning on the job as well as a coach and, and having all these new experiences? Is it kind of as therapeutic as, as it used to be as a fighter? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I still fight, um, but yeah definitely i think it kind of comes from when you do boxing you've got the mentality of like you view things in a certain way and you analyze and like one of the beautiful things i've got at the moment is majority of my lads are a blank slate so i am starting with like everyone's kind of on the same wavelength and i think that's helped me go off as well there's not like one or two lads who's like really sharp and then the lads are feeling behind they're all very similar I have had one or two of them fight in the past, but that was years ago, and Thai boxing's new to them. So, like, everyone's, like, on the same footing, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure, it does. And finally, for me, before, hopefully you stick around and we can talk a bit about more more British boxing with Lawrence and Coley and Co. Um, Thai boxing is, is what you do. Do you think you're ever going to get involved with like Thailand itself? Like, are you, are you going to yeah. like, get in touch with that culture? Yeah, that's the next steps for me. Like, my coaches have lived there and the fought there and stuff. Um, I'm aware of the culture. I was meant to go a few years ago because the lads go from the gym every year, but I bought a house instead. Well, I was saving to buy a house and I bought a house. Then the pandemic hit. So, um, next year's my hopefully like step for Thailand. I'll be opening a gym and going to Thailand. That'll be the the goals for next year yeah i think that'll, that'll be a, uh, that'll be a great experience for you jake and uh, i think anyone kind of in that um in that discipline should always go and kind of see the roots of the sport i guess and and see where it all started as you mentioned that this would be my last one as well before we do move on to the the boxing by the way but um just speaking as, as you said you still fight so what is that like as a as a competitive fighter to be able to uh juggle what you've got going on in in the gym and being a new coach as well um, 
it's going to help me if anything because I'm getting to the level now like say I'm going to be fighting A class so like in Thai boxing there's like N class, C class, B class, A class and because I was kind of new to Thai but I'd, I could already like kickbox at a high level I kind of just went from there to there really quick and like because I'm there I'm fighting lads that are like in the gym all the time so with me working full time I have a couple of days where I'm just in the gym flat out and then I'm at work so like it's very much like this, where now I'm just going to be living it and breathing it all of the time, which is going to progress me as a fighter. Coaching, sparring, everything's going to enhance more and more and more. So I'm looking forward to like where that goes, if that makes sense. Um, so it's just all going to kind of click into place. Have you got any uh, news or any upcoming fights that uh, we you can share? Yeah, so my coach puts on a show um, called Victory, Victory Promotions. That's like the biggest, we're one of the biggest UK Muay Thai and K1 kickboxing shows. So um, I'm going to be fighting on that and it's going to be me a class debut, which would like me full pro debut um, on June the 3rd. Well, best of luck with that, mate. We'll be, uh, we'll be watching with keen eyes. We'll, we'll definitely catch up with you after that one, Jake. So... Thanks for, for that insight, like genuinely fascinating. And, and like I said, I think you're a real mentor and a real uh, inspiration to a lot of people. Um, and, and as a, a boxer, as an athlete, you know all about ring rust. So let's talk about Lawrence Akoli, who uh, said that he suffered from a bit of ring rust um, on the weekend when he beat David Light uh, on points. Um, but it was a, a, a dull and scrappy fight. Um, people left early, which I never understand. Yeah. I never understand in football. I never understand in boxing. It, why yeah. would you leave a fight early when in boxing anything can ha- literally anything can happen at, at you know the, the flick of a switch? Um, so people booed, left early. Um, he said it, he's been out of the year ring. Um, he couldn't get any rhythm going. He, I think he rated himself a five out of ten. Um, it, it was it just a case of ring rust, and that that was why he was so poor against David Light. To be fair, like so. I didn't watch the whole fight from start to finish. I've only seen the highlights just due to how busy I've been. Um, when I was watching it, from what I took for it and what I've seen and read as well, because I have, like, people said, like, what a boring fight, etc. Um, when you're watching it and you analyse it, you might find it, from an entertainment point of view, quite boring. But what he's doing in there is really, really clever. Like, setting up that right hand, them little steps back, like all those tiny little minute details, like probably me as a coach or you guys are fighters or someone who competes understands. I think someone who sits and drinks a beer and wants to watch someone get knocked out, they don't find that entertaining as much. So like the perspective of it's so different depending on who you ask. Like, yes, I get what you're saying, Ring Ross and you raised himself a five out of 10, but like what he's doing in there is still really good. If that makes any sense. It does, Max. What are, what are your thoughts? I mean, Dave, David likes a tough opponent, actually. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think there is kind of two sides to it, as, as Jake said. From an entertainment standpoint, you know, it, it couldn't really get any worse for him. But as Jake said, um, with with his plan, he, what he executed and what he actually done in there was, was technically sound and, and was done really well. Um, I didn't see much progression or, or development from him. Um, especially now being with Sugar Hill Stewart, I expected maybe for him to bring in that Kronk style that would be able to possibly get a finish over Light, but he did uh, nullify Light's offence throughout the fight and was able to to keep him at bay for most of it. And um, it's a shame that there isn't more uh, kind of fans of boxing that understand the technicalities, technicalities that go into it because 
if they were, then they'd be able to appreciate that fight a lot more. But of course, you know, if it's as Jake said, with guys who just sit on the sofa, drink a beer, or or even want to just go and watch some some boxing in there. They want to see something happen. They want to see, especially at cruiserweight. You know, you hear cruiserweight champions fighting. You want to see uh, the the big punches come in and the ones that will send their opponents to the canvas. And that is pretty much the only thing that's lacking in a Coley's game. I didn't see too much shot variety, so I think those are two uh, two things he can definitely work on. But I think from entertainment point of view, it has to, it can, and it has to only get better from here. And I'm, I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure it will. Um, if if you sit on the sofa, you probably want to see him fight. Richard Reactor, I think it's more likely he fights Baddy Jack for the unification, isn't it really? Um, although I, I think I think Reactor would be a tougher fight um, than Baddy Jack. I, may, maybe that's why he wants Jack and not Reactor. What, what do you think, Jake? What's next for um, Lawrence Coley? I would say Baddy Jack. And to be fair, for the some of the people that might not know, that he's more of the household name as well. So like, I think it'll sell a little bit better. And then when you put a title in the mix, you know, that changes things again. So, and he might look at it and think, I need to improve, or he might listen to the people that, like, that are talking bad about him, and then he might, next time, like I say, change his soft right, he, he might try and be a bit more aggressive. You, there's things you can do, and it can adapt. Stakes are higher, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's, it's definitely harder against the likes of Badu Jack, who we saw on his last fight was uh, very offensive, very aggressive and, and did get that finish over Makabu to uh, become a, th- a three division weight world champion, a three weight world champion, sorry. Um, yeah, a great fighter. But do you think that's going to sell more than, than a fight with Reactor would, Jake? Be- because obviously Reactor is probably the second best cruiserweight in Britain right now. And uh, I-, I think that's a huge fight. Um, that Ooh, would fight. that would sell here in the uh, you know, somewhere like Wembley or, or maybe closer to one of their homes. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those. It's like, if he doesn't perform in regards of if he doesn't win or if he doesn't perform in regards of his performance upscales, people might not want to watch him fight. So, like, he kind of... The stakes are higher regardless, I think, in the situation of when he's just, like, I thought what he'd done on the weekend was great. But, like I say, from an entertainment standpoint, like, how is that going to sell tickets? Do you know what I mean? All, like, all these things come into the mix and, you know, everyone looks at it that way as well. So, you would expect fireworks. Okay, um, let's move on to Fraser Clark. Another very easy night in the Manchester Arena for, for Fraser. Um, took out Bogdan Dinner in two rounds. A uh, bit of a weird fight. Uh, Bogdan Dinner is a decent fighter. He's fought Kubrat Pulev and, and Daniel Dubois. A weird fight because um, uh, Dinu broke his ribs when throwing a punch and Clark got a cut in the first round. So um, it, it, it was a fight of technicalities, really, and it ended when Dinu broke his rib. Um, on Fraser Clark, obviously that was that was a pretty easy night of work for him. Uh, where does he stand in, in heavyweight boxing? He's, he's, kind, he's a bit of an anomaly isn't he really because he's almost not at the level to to fight a real big boy yet but he's he's definitely proven that he's better than any 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 of the lower division fighters yeah i mean i think every time he's see fraser he's definitely improving like even our thought like his body shape and stuff was looking a little bit different um he's obviously he's got that gb like behind him um but I noticed when he was punching, like he was punching with an intent. You could hear it, you could see it, you could read the guy's body language. Like, and when he sat down between rounds, his coach went to go and say something. He didn't even communicate with him. He went to go and put it like his water in his mouth, and he just like turned away. And I was like, he's done. And then you could hear him say, no, no, no. But like, 
I bet he clears a clock and cloud. So I think Fabio Wardley will be a nice fight. I know he was shouting about him. He was. Get him on the domestic level, British title fight or something like that. Don't know. But be very interesting to see what happens with Fraser Clark. Is that the next step up, Max, a British title for Fraser? I think so, yeah. I think Wardley is, is the uh, the greatest shout when you're looking at the competition that is available there for, for Clark. Um, I think that's that's the best one he can go to. And it's the, the step up that he needs. He has to step up sooner or later. And, you know, when he did sign to Sky Sports and Boxer with Ben Shalom, they had a, a five-fight step plan to scale him up uh, the rankings. And, you know, that's been a lot slower than what was kind of promised to him and, and promised to us when he, he started his pro career. So it'll be interesting to see when that step up comes. And I would uh, I would love it to see against Fabio Wardley. But I think I'd have to agree with Jake there as well. He's definitely improving. Um, and, and he's showing, you know, he can only beat who's being put in front of him. It's not necessarily his fault that uh, he hasn't got the likes of uh, Fabio Wardley and other British competition yet. So he's just, he goes in there and, and does a job on, on who's in front of him. And as you said, proves that he's far above uh, the competition that he's been putting with now. Well, yeah, age is definitely against Fraser Clark as well. And that, that doesn't help either. Um, let's round off the podcast with a second loss for Caleb Plant in two years. Uh, it was that super middleweight fight for the WBC interim belt, wasn't it, um, against David um, or David uh, Benavidez. Um, and it was a unanimous decision for, for Benavidez at MSG. Um, he's, he's known for slow starts. That's exactly how he started. He, he just just worked very slowly on um, Plant, took a, took a lot of damage, and then the fifth round onwards sort of just went for it with, with the power that we all know he has. And uh, that's what swung the fight his way. Um, Caleb Plant. Where does he stand now, Jake? Like, to be fair, his performance was good. It's just he was second best. Like, fast punches, punches and punches, combination punches, power punches. He was working quite well. But, like, at one point he was trying to sit on his chest, but it just wasn't working. And, like, I see as the fight went on, he was losing the rounds. Yes, he was trying to be in the fight, but he was still losing the rounds. And there was kind of no plan B. I don't know what was going on there, but it was entertaining, like. But I don't know what's next for him. Like, it would be interesting. However, like, his performance was still good. So it's a bit of a weird one to analyse. And Max, what, what did you make of that fight? Plant just wasn't really, wasn't really at the races. And I mean, people were saying, why didn't his corner pull him out? Yeah, no, I think he was, he's very competitive, uh, especially in the first half of the fight. He's winning the first half of the fight. It was just a case of Benavidez won it more convincingly in, in the second half of the fight. And, um, yeah, Jake echoing, you know, everything that he'd done well in in that fight. Um beat is is every time every round he won, he was first to the punch. Um yeah. fast combinations and offensively looked at his best. I haven't seen him the way he level changed, went to the body, then came upstairs with spite, you know, uh with, with fast, fast punches and good combinations. But um tried tried to infight with Benavidez who who has short uh is short counter punches with absolute power so it's exactly the thing that you don't want to do against somebody uh, who's who has those strengths so i think he kind of set himself up for failure a little bit and and he, he definitely did fade later on in the fight um and every time he tr just tried to infight with benavidez yeah he, he he got hit with some some big shots and uh but fair play to him he's a warrior you know he took those on the chin he's, he's got a great chin and uh he was hurt a lot of the times through the fight did what he needed to do 
um, tied up a lot of the time. Kenny Bayless intervened a, a bit too much at times, but um, I think, yeah, still a great performance and still proves that he's a top contender there. Benavidez just edging it, um, and obviously Benavidez calling for Canelo now, but I think the way he looked at the start of the fight, Canelo will not let him off that easily uh, if, if he lacks that much defense in a, in a fight of that magnitude. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. I, I really appreciate Jake's time. and I'm very wary that you know, he's got his day off today as well. So uh, we'll round things up there. Uh, next week, we can definitely talk about Fury Usyk and the collapse of that one. But Jake, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll follow your journey and we'll catch up with you soon. No worries, man. Keep it easy, boys. Yeah. Cheers, Jake and Max. Pleasure as always. Yeah, Cheers. pleasure, Noah. Once again, Jake, thank you for coming on. Really fighting the good fight within your community and uh, yeah, just doing doing great things up uh, where you're from. So long may that continue and uh, enjoy no longer having to work a full-time 12-hour shift as well. <laughs> Cheers, man. Respect for Keep it easy.